1: It's still a few weeks till Easter, but Jesus is well and truly back. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Alex Smith, the Man, Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Those uh, jokes are going to get old, but we're going to keep telling them, and they'll probably get less old if he keeps scoring two goals, three goals, five goals, ten goals, you name it. A brace for Jesus with Easter on the horizon. Coincidence? You tell me. Probably just a coincidence, yes. And in fact, uh, a really bad and tired joke. But that's what we're here for, right? And speaking of here for, thank you so much for being here. Love you so much for being a part of this podcast community, being here. And here's what's going to happen. Clive is here. Paul is here. We got a really long, fun conversation about a big win over Leeds, about Anfield uh, ahead, about Potter getting sacked. You're going to get all of that. But I'm going to ask you to humor me for a minute because there's something we do uh, every year and it's the most important thing we do as a podcast, as a community, as supporters. And that's raise money. For causes that desperately need it, uh, causes nominated by the club through the Arsenal Foundation. So we have now officially launched our Arsenal Foundation fundraiser for this year. Few reasons to give. First of all, let's get let's get through the um, the self interest part. Everyone who donates is eligible to win uh, an Ian Wright shirt from his playing days that he's going to sign for you once uh, we give that away. And excitingly, VIP box ticket to the Brighton game in May. You'll be in a VIP box with food, with drink, with the podcasters, and with the chance to participate in the breakdown live show that they produce there. So you're going to get a really extraordinary match day experience, great seats, great company, great food and drink, and a chance to be part of that program. So uh, someone's going to win that. We're also auctioning those off. So, if you'd rather go to the auction site, the link to both of these—to the Just Giving page and the auction site—will be in the description of this podcast. Uh, we're auctioning that off. We're auctioning off club tickets for uh, club-level seats for for Chelsea, for Southampton. So there's there's something for everybody, hopefully. Uh, but this is the part that I was a little tight-lipped about. Uh, last month, I had the chance to go to the Syrian border in Jordan to the Zatteri refugee camp. Uh, it was quite a journey but it was a a journey that was incredibly moving an experience that was life-changing and one that I only got to have because of you, because of this community. I was in the Zattery camp on behalf of this community to see the work being done by Arsenal in that place for over 30 years. Arsenal has been serving the North London community. Arsenal in the community does powerful work there. The club determined to expand that work through the Arsenal foundation created the Coaching for Life program. And in the Zattery Refugee Camp, a place with over 80,000 people and over half of them children, they are delivering hope and promise and a future and sustainable resiliency to young people. Young people who are at risk of gender-based violence, child marriages, child labor, This program is doing incredible work for young people. I got to meet those young people. And what's incredible is the life they are making there and the joy that you see and the singing that you hear. And incredibly, this program has achieved gender parity. So it's half girls and half boys. And we had the chance to talk to the moms and the dads and the kids. And, and it's so moving beyond belief. And I know it can be hard sometimes because you say there's need everywhere. Why here? And I get that, but you know what? This is the beautiful thing about being a supporter Why here? Because the club picked this place, because the people need the program, and because we support the club and the wonderful people within the club doing this work. And with this fundraiser, we do make a meaningful material difference in whether it carries on and expands and grows and continues to serve these people who need this work. So I I hope you will join us, and only if you can, if you have the means, if you have the ability to contribute this is what we do as a community. We are contributing all the proceeds from the New York event, from the Chicago event, going to this. We're going to contribute a chunk of our Patreon money. So if you've ever thought about signing up this month, you are supporting a heck of a cause. That's all going into this fundraiser. And if you're able to help, we would love to have that support. The club would love it. It would mean so much to them. So much, in fact, that Mikel Arteta, Martin Odegaard, and Adu have a message for you as part of this community. So I'll turn it over to them and I'll be back right after that.
2: What's going on, Arsenal Vision family? It's Martin here. Just wanted to say how thankful we are for the support you're giving to the Arsenal Foundation. We appreciate it so much. Keep
1: up
3: the amazing support and keep pushing us forward. Hello, Arsenal Vision listeners. It's Mikel Arteta here. I want to personally thank you for all your support this season.
1: Please give what you can to the Arsenal Foundation fundraiser. It means so much to the
2: refugees in Saatari. Remember, Together, we are stronger. Thank you. Hello to the Arsenal Vision family. It's Sedu here. I want you to thank you all supporters around the world for everything you do for us. You bring so much energy and passion, and we are so grateful to you. The Arsenal Foundation is doing incredible work, and we really appreciate your support. Please, give what you can to amazing goals.
1: I believe that the Mikel Arteta uh, comment there in particular may have sounded uh, AI-generated. I assure you it is him. Um, And I can't thank Martin and Mikel and Edu for for being willing to send that message of support. So here's what we're going to do. Give us five minutes, just five minutes. I've clipped up some audio of these children, these young girls and young boys and mothers talking about what the program means to them. It's five minutes of important audio from the Zattery camp. Um, at the very end of it, the boys will tell you what Arsenal means to them. So just four four and a half, five minutes of your time. Then we'll get on with the main pod. Throughout this week, I'll have two episodes of all of the audio, all the recordings from the Zattery Camp. So you'll have that available to you. Um, All the information for how to give is in the description to this pod. And I just want to say thank you so much ahead of time. We love you so much for for being here at all. And if you're able to participate, we love you for that as well. And maybe you get a chance to have a really once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience at the game, uh, and we can see you there. So I'm going to turn it over to the moms and the daughters and the sons to explain a little bit about what this program means to them. Four and a half, five minutes of your time, and then we're on with the regular podcast.
4: (laughs)
2: so just um, sorry start touching this she said that uh, the daughters now and we are as the mothers and our daughters we feel that we belong to the big world and we feel that we are not alone in the camp in the past we really feel that we are alone but because we know that um, this project implemented in Arsenal, uh, the community in London um, we, we believe that you know we have some kind of relation between London and Arsenal and there is something between us and the world we are not in the refugee camp without any support from anyone Um, she said that maybe in this space I can forget about the world about my home about the issues the problems and just remember that I'm a child and enjoy my time and have these skills, and that's it. So for those two hours, I'm spending, enjoying my time, have a new friendship, working on my personality, and that's it. Then I come back again to my world and the, the reality, yeah. Thank you. Shukran. 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 Abdati, shukran. shukran. So she's turning 18 now, and she said that here in the center, it's about the... Uh, smiling and the laughs that you can see at the face of the girls. So she said that may, many times we faced a challenging time at home, at school, at our neighborhood, with the family. Um, yet we come here, we forget about everything. We have friends, they smile in our faces. We play, forget about everything. I become very social here. In the past, I have nothing. But now I have friends. I know they do care for me. I do care for them. We build trust with each other. Um, so when it comes to me, I am come here, Forget everything in the world. Then she quotes her friend's mention. Then I come back again to the to the reality. But at least I have something I can support the, the reality with from this project. Thank you. She said that. I never been myself before this project. Um, So it's different, total different in personality before and after Arsenal. I just want to say thank you for the coaches, for the staff, for the program team, for everyone about what you are doing. Unfortunately, given the situation in the camp, some of the families they uh, um, used to the child marriage, um, so some we, we, we noticed some cases in the camp. And with this project, we receive support from the project, from the community, from the coaches, uh, support our daughters. So our daughters now, they feel that um, there is people who support and do care for them. And she gave an example for her daughter. She said she know her rights and she know how to talk about her rights. So maybe the issue with the girls in the camp, sometimes they can't talk about their rights. For that, they accept the child marriage or other things. But now they know that there is a child and we need to enjoy our childhood under 18 and then to consider other things above 18. So yeah, that's what she mentioned. Okay, so from the beginning, she said that in the culture, in our culture for specific, it's not allowed for girls to play football. Usually we face child marriage for me and for my friends. Unfortunately, we've been in child marriage years ago. And now we don't want our daughters to have the same experience with this project. The second thing that she said that this program successfully ending some cases of child marriage and uh, shifting the football from only being for boys to for being boys and girls, and enrolled us as a mothers in this program. I wish that this program was there years, 30 years ago maybe. so I enrolled in this program, not getting married at that time. Um, and the good thing that now I have space to be part of this program. I support my daughter and we keep support other girls in the camp. when he arsenal يحطوني <تصفيق> My family.
1: هو غير بحياتنا
4: إشي أكثر من اللي كنّا متوقعين
2: It changed a lot in my fa- my personality, my life. Thank you. أصدقاء, <تصفيق> new friends. Arsenal ممكن حياتك. Arsenal can't change
4: your life. العائلة عشان بالصدارة وحبي
2: Family and strong. So, the club who wants children inside the refugee camps.
1: Okay, well, look, you've made it through that, and I appreciate you for humoring me, and I appreciate you again for being a part of this. We love you so, so much, as we always say, but now we do have to get on with the business of. Congratulating James for the birth of his child. Congratulations to James McNicholas on the birth of his first child. And he had a lovely message on Twitter that brought a tear to my eye, and you are free to check it out there. But now we are free to talk about Grand Potter getting sacked at Chelsea. No, no, I'm kidding. Brendan Rodgers getting sacked at no, I'm kidding. Arsenal beating Leeds 4-1. That's what we're here to talk about. And here to do it with me now is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clyde PAFC. Hello, Clive.
5: Hello, hello. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you?
5: I'm all right. Got a bit of yep. a sore head actually from uh, yesterday, so I'm You're trying to it drink
1: some I'm drinking it. I'm drinking my hair way of through. The it. Dog. <laughs> so yeah, hair <laughs>
5: of the
1: good dog. Day. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and here with me as well as Paul, you
3: can find him on Twitter at pausing my pants. Hello, pause. Woohoo! Uh, congratulations to James, good man, James. Always knew you could do it. Yeah, boy, yeah. Oh, oh gosh. There oh, we please go. Stop, please stop. <laughs> I gave him a little coaching. give gave him a little coaching. No, no, this, isn't this isn't SCAC. This isn't Don't do that. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, sorry. And, uh, is,
5: is more Paul's... seriously,
3: yeah. Elliot, mm-hmm. uh, fantabulous work you, you uh, did to All pull things together. You, Andrew, uh, get that mm-hmm. rolling there. And uh, uh, we hope to blow wind in your sails, our sales, our collective sales. there. Mm. Uh, fantastic what, you, what you've done there and uh, yeah amazing stuff yeah and we're gonna to get to congratulate a lot of people in person in new
1: york and chicago and another third location that will be announced uh not too distant future as well so that'll be fun um but the, the business of the football is what we are principally here to discuss and why uh you were here with us and if you do want to join us over on patreon we have plenty lined up this week and given that we will be giving most of that to uh to the fundraiser along with what we've already given um you know this may be the month where you decide it makes sense to do it uh, all going to a good place so Clive, uh, you were at the Emirates. Um, it was it was an interesting game because, it, you know, we always argue, what is a trap game? What is a trap game? And nobody seems to really know. A trap game just seems to be every game, right? Every game. Uh, right now, every game feels like a trap for my emotions and my bowels. But, like, this this post-interlal, Anfield on the horizon, City smoking Liverpool in the early game, this game felt like it could be a banana skin. And I thought it was an interesting Situation, we've come to find out subsequently that there was illness in the squad beyond just uh, Bugayo Saka, who was rested for illness, although well enough to be on the bench and to make an appearance. What was your thought initially of the decision for Bukayo not to play, not, well, not to start this game, for Trissard to start on the right instead? And of course, his timing is impeccable. Jesus' timing is impeccable every April, right? He, know, he knows it's time. Uh, Gabriel Jesus showing up uh, properly back as a starting centre-forward for Arsenal in April. Thoughts?
5: There's a lot there to take on, right? So I will say to you that I, I lost a bit of faith pre-game. I managed to get myself into a bit of a place where I was it's looking at...
1: Easter, Clive. No, it's not an appropriate time
5: for losing yeah, faith in Jesus. Come I've on. I lost <laughs> a bit of faith. What should I just say? I was finding reasons to be nervous. You know what I mean? Mm, looking at yeah, everything, see. probably a better phrase. And um, and there's lots of pre the pubs were full up early watching the city game, and you could tell that obviously that wasn't going so well. So the mood was a little bit—I say flatter, but a little bit more less, less, um, less happy than it could, if it could have been, you know. And um, and so I carried that into the ground with me, and I said on the I said on the IR, sometimes when you're too local, you see too much. And it can affect your mood, do you know what I mean? As you walk into the mm. ground. And mm. um so then I get into the ground. I wasn't in my normal spot, high up. I was a bit lower down and and I and I just was finding all reasons. Then like Saka wasn't in the team. I'm thinking, oh no, this has just got banana skin written all over it. And the game starts and, and leads are very competitive, you know, very physical. You know, one thing you do see from being lower down, you see the physicality and the intensity and the collisions and you really feel them. You can see when the, when players are up for it. I thought Leeds are up for it. I thought they broke really well. I thought it looked quick. I watched their warm up and it looked sharp. It looked sharper than ours. I mean, I was really just looking at things earlier to find anything that was wrong with us. Yeah. And then Jesus appears, and and he does appear. And it's so interesting to see his impact. It's interesting what you guys thought. He he brings a level of um, unpredictability to us that that's I'd forgotten. You know, he just does different things pulls the ball out of the sky, out of nowhere, smashes someone when you least expect it. So the play becomes more broken. So we're so used to our patterns of the ball moving nicely and trust our tip of the diamond dropping in, and we can almost picture the ball moving. With Jesus there, anything can happen. And literally, that's what it feels like. Just like little yeah. hand grenades exploding all over the front line. And that sort of um, unstructured, structured play could be our trick you know I've been so focused on goals and stopping transitions and making sure we keep clean sheets but you look at the last four or five games I think we scored three goals plus in all of them we're scoring and we're developing chances and we're really hurting teams and I I only see that continuing with him in the team so um yeah Elliot mate I, I'm going to say something to you now it's going to shock you that boy <laughs> that boy Jesus can play football he really can
1: yeah yeah, and and it's tough, right, because there's absolutely no way to fully and properly appreciate what Troussard has given us since he's arrived, whether on the left, whether through the center, or even in this game, on the right, moving through the center to provide the assist for Jesus, cutting back in from the right-hand side. But what Jesus gives you is what Pep and City have talked about so often, which is being able to beat men off the dribble to provoke movement by the opposition, pull them out of place, and set up space to, to create scoring opportunities. And and that's something that he, I think he does even a level better than Troussard can. Yeah,
5: Clive? Well, yeah, just to add to that, right, there are three phases of the game, in possession out position, and transition. And when Jesus plays, we flourish in transition. and Because he creates them by literally smashing people off the ball. You know, and that suits us a lot. I'm not saying we haven't played in transition before. because we do it? We do our recovery runs are very inward, out to in, and we go straight at the ball, and we do create transitions. But he is the king. I mean, sometimes his tackles come out of nowhere. I don't know where they're coming from, and then and then we're off. So I do think as the pressure moments come to this season, the patterns will be harder to develop through the third, yeah. just because of nerves and tension and teams dropping away. So transition game states are the ones we're really after, and this guy brings that in abundance.
1: Yeah, and and we'll talk more about him, his penalty, and his goal uh, in a bit. But, Paul, I have to say, like this, it wasn't just pregame nerves. Th- there were nerves in the first half due to the fact that this game was a little more open and a little more even than I think I anticipated. And Leeds had rotated a bit, and it looked like they were picking their spot. I think they have Forest coming up, um, and maybe Palace as well. And, and you know, they made a business decision, right? The business decision is we don't think we're going to get three points at the Emirates, but they, they certainly didn't play like that. Um, I don't know that I love this new trend where the opposition at the Emirates has a really good chance inside of the first 10 seconds, but they did have a really good chance, and I think Ramsdale makes a fine save. He made a few fine saves in this game. He was needed. Um, the XG, ironically, we blew them away. I think it was like 2.9 to 0.6. So I, I think at the time, I felt they were pulling us apart more than they were. But it was very back and forth. Um, Right after they create their big opening chance, we go down the other end. And is it is it Odegaard that has a chance maybe, but can't get the shot off or it's it's blocked? But we went in first minute right in. Why do you think the game was as back and forth, as, as open as it was in terms of being end to end? Like we've seen other... Weird performances at the Emirates. Like, I I actually think the Everton first half was a pretty poor performance. But we still had all the territory, right? It was just a little stale, and they were going along the other way. This one was a lot more back and forth. What do you attribute that to?
3: Uh, It's a tough one. I went and had a look at that specifically when I went back to look at the first half. It's just hard to tell. I just think we were a little bit interlully. A little move in it, but not quite quick enough. We didn't have the right-hand side functioning. Trossard, Odegaard, White didn't find each other in good spots. I mean, they'd pass to each other, but nobody was doing anything. Nobody was really making a move. So it re- recycled to the other side. Martinelli, Jesus. Th- they, we had some runs down that side, but we didn't really get in the box at all. Uh, once, twice maybe until the Jesus penalty buildup like we had a good 30 minutes where we were kind of flattering to deceive mm. moving it back and forward they'd have a couple of counters we get the ball back it was it was unconvincing i think we're a team that's that's set up to dominate possession to dominate play and when you don't have the technical security the confidence the synchronicity because there's a couple of new players that, you know jesus is new to this side as a starter so there's one change okay we we got Got comfortable with them very quickly, but he played almost all of his football on the left hand side. So now the right hand side, which is mostly where we get our close connectivity, pull them in and then switch it to the other side. Well, that was Trossard, Odegaard, who'd had two tough games in the uh, White, um, uh, party. I thought had some really good moments in this and was like important to how we played. But was wh- he talking about a player playing within himself in this game? I thought he was very managing himself yeah to say the least and which is a good thing from everybody's standpoint i just think it lacked a little a little je ne sais quoi and the zip the movement the speed the synchronicity i don't
1: know i don't know what for the non-french speakers the a little i don't know what <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what that means either um, <laughs> i don't speak french je ne sais and, quoi? yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what it means. And so, (laughs) me neither. So, like, it's 30 minutes, we get that penalty, and then we start to relax, feel a little more comfortable, move it around. And then the second half, we start with zip. But, like, substantively, there's nothing there. You can't say, oh, that's what we did differently. It was like we trusted ourselves, people anticipated, they made the moves. But, uh, you know, I didn't love Trossard from the right. I love Trossard. I thought he was great in this game. Uh, every time he wasn't on the right, basically, when he drifted inside, he rotated a bit with Jesus. But really, Jesus and Martinelli, as you would expect, were doing the vast majority of that interchange rotation. And it just took us a while to warm up. Given it was an interlull and how we, how, la- how last year, like we cratered for three games, we got absolutely uh, smashed by Crystal Palace in the first game uh, after the interlull you know, I'll take this. Everybody was tired. Everybody was like, and we're a team that needs that zip. We're fast start FC. And, but not today. Well, we were in the second half, but not the first half.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I will correct the XG that I read out. It actually 3.78 to 0.72, to be fair. I think the one I read out is the one when you strip out the penalty. So it was non-penalty XG, but either way, it's a hammering. And the, I think the story of this game is Jesus for a number of reasons. Um, and I want to come back to him in a moment. But I think the player of this game, at least early on, might have been Gabriel Martinelli. And I think when Sack is in the team, he provides us a lot of security and comfort. The ball goes to him. We look com- confident and comfortable on it, maintaining possession, keeping the territory. Um, but the right hand side wasn't working great, Clive. I, I think maybe attributing that to, to Trissard is unfair because let's be clear also, like, you don't have. Saliba back there, who is important to the way the ball progresses on the right-hand side, although I thought Rob Holding did the job Rob Holding needed to do. Thomas Partey maybe wasn't at his, his effervescent best. So the, the right-hand side just seemed a little disconnected. Martinelli took on the responsibility in this game, I thought, racing back with a couple excellent ball recoveries when Leeds might have had a, count, a counter the other way, and racing forward to push them back, driving past players, um really just creating the kind of havoc that he can with his explosive athleticism. And I, I, I think it is amazing that when you look at the two players that carry the responsibility, at least in the attacking third, for us to, to dominate games and create that feeling of comfort, it's our two 21-year-old superstars. So do you agree with me that you know the, the right-hand side maybe was a little off, but it was made up for with the left-hand side? Maybe no surprise that Jesus coming back that left-hand side just continues to look brilliant because let's not forget Jesus and Martinelli had struck up quite the rapport prior to uh, Jesus's injury. And, and with um, Zinchenko back there looking at his best as well, I just thought that whole side looked really dominant in the first half especially.
5: Yeah, um, Martinelli would have been my halftime stock rising. Um, he really mm-hmm. did sh- shine both both ways as you alluded to so let's look at the two parts Right, look at the two sides so right hand side it, there was just a little bit of lack of cohesion there it's not down to player quality just a bit of player understanding when to stand still when to receive when to stretch wide Trossard just emptied the right side a little bit early and was a little bit narrow so Odegaard went out because we play in our lane so someone comes in the other one goes out and we were just leaving the ball. There's one place one particular attack when we left the ball. Ben White was high and the two of them misconnected. It again okay, it was not the quality, just had to understand him. But I thought Jesus and and Martinelli just said oh, we'll we'll take care of it. And so they were stretching and linking on, on the left hand side and a lot of ferocity and intensity. And they they looked a step above everybody else in that first half. Even t- through the parts when I was a little bit stressed they were the ones that were carrying the hopes of the, of the team. You know, the ones at the back. So, um, Gabriel Maglias, by the way, gee whiz, what a player he is close up. And so, and so yeah, I, I thought Martinelli was excellent. And the reason why I thought he was excellent in this game in particular, because we know him and Saka penetrate and link, but without our, our stretcher in Saka, Martinelli did a lot of it. You know, he really took on the burden. And throughout the season it's a common it's a common trend. When someone steps out, someone else takes on the burden of that player. And I thought Martinelli took on the burden massively physically. He had two weeks yeah. off he was rested. And for me, he was a star of the first half with Jesus in particular. Jesus more out of fondness. You know, to see him <laughs> back, you know, um, because there were some bits there, a little bit rough around the edges and there were other bits. I was worried when he's looking at his legs, looking at his knees. I'm thinking, just get up, get up, get up, you know, And because um, we just want him all to get fitter and sharper. And he looked fitter and sharper for minute five. He looked so much better. He looked lighter. He looked leaner. He, just looked, he looked really, really good and agile. When you watch those two, Elliot, you know, the things I look at or the things that really kill people is a sprint to a high speed really, really quickly. And mate, they've got they they got some break distance in there. They can stop on a six point, bang, stop. <laughs> and it's just like wow. And it's like they stop sharp pop it off. Get it back. Bang. 100 miles an hour. Get it back. Stop. And if you're a defender, you know what you do? You stand back. You say, I can't go with these two. I'll just stand back. And they they create room to play make. So when they're intense strikers, they force you to go back. And when you give them space, they become number 10 playmakers. If they get the ball to their feet, they become wingers. So these these really versatile forwards, you know my theory on wing forwards is the way to go? Just wing forwards, because they, they can give you everything in different zones of the pitch. You don't have to think, oh, when he gets it out wide, just got to set it off, knock it off, and then run into the box, Alan Shearer style. That type of forward wouldn't work for us. And he's a record Premier League goal scorer. But he wouldn't work for this Arsenal team. We need more from you in wide areas, we need more from you deep. You can't just stand between the sticks, you know? And um, so yeah, I thought first half in particular, left-hand side was popping, mate, and the right hand side was just lacking a bit of cohesion. But I'm not sure what was said at half time. And I'm not sure it's really that important, because the key thing on the right hand side was they are three very good footballers in White Odegaard and Trossard. And they worked it out. You know, they up yeah. the tempo, of the passing, up the aggression of their movement, and at least fell away. And they end up executing, and we, up, we all know the end result. So to see us go through that sticky patch and just come through it and then um, go in 1 0 at half time was really good. Gives, us, gives the management a chance to give us a bit of a kick in. Then we come out and um, deal with them within 10 minutes after half time.
1: Yeah, the, the way we came out of halftime didn't surprise me at all, and I, I sort of thought maybe Arteta was going to get into them a bit at halftime, just about some intensity and some details to the way they were playing. The game, like I said, it just had sort of an openness. There were so many weird moments right from that first minute, right? The big chance for Leeds, the big chance for Arsenal the other way. Jesus had a phenomenal opportunity, a header from a brilliant shack across that goes over. I think he just mistimes the jump maybe a little bit. Um, just lots of little things like that. And then Somerville on 30 minutes plays a one-two and he's just completely in on goal and can't finish. Um, he's, then a good, Me- he's a Med- sharp
5: player, mate, Somerville.
1: Yeah, he caused us problems he all is game
5: sharp. long. He sharp. He's yeah. lightning. He's only little, but, mate, he can buzz. And watch, watch him. He's going to be a player.
1: Yeah, there was a scramble uh, in the box when Martinelli was set free by Shaka brilliantly on the counterattack. Meslier comes out, remember? He came out. And Martinelli swivels on the volley and hits it and it's cleared off the line, although the clearance off the line almost goes in. So it was and and then there was the Robin Cock, Coke, Cock, Robin Cock. Um, I don't know. All I know is that uh Leeds took their cock off in the second half. Um, but he was on a yellow, to be fair. Uh <laughs> but uh took, took took Martinelli down on the on the counter. It's right there for me. I I was like, don't, don't do it, but I could I couldn't stop myself don't from doing us, it. Manny, don't <laughs> touch us, Elliot. Don't touch us. I know. Um, But yeah, so it it was just a a half of a lot of incident. And one thing that you and I talked about in the instant reaction, Paul, as a potential stock falling, we were trying to think of stock fallings. there wasn't much to really pick on, but was maybe just Arsenal's defending in their own defensive third around their own box. I thought Leeds found it a little too easy to cut inside and and find shooting lanes or play one-twos on the edge of the area. And saying that is going to come across as maybe like a, a passive-aggressive dig at Holding, and it's not. I thought Holding did his job, and and I want to say this, by the way. Holding did his job, and he was good, and we should be thankful for the jobs he's done against Palace and Leeds, gotten the job done. I have no expectation that a backup center back should be as good as a starting center back. Look around the league, and look what happens to teams when they don't have their starting center back. They take a step back, and in some cases, like a Liverpool, they take massive steps back. Um, William Saliba is one of the players of the season in the league, full stop. He and Gab- uh, Gabrielle have, have built what I think is the best center back partnership in the league. And so it should be no surprise that removing that player is going to have an impact. And yet, I think the player who came in did well. Again, having said that, there was a vulnerability on in our defensive third that I thought was a little bit surprising. And obviously, when we think about trips to Anfield and the Etihad and you start thinking about players like Salah and Nunez and Gakpo and you know, De Bruyne and Julian Alvarez or Holland or, you know, Foden or Grealish. Or, you know, it's going to get even trickier defending that area. So do you have any any consideration for why they were maybe able to find some space in those a areas,
3: All having watched it back again? yeah. Like we did lose a little technical security in that area, get a little bogged down in our passing when we didn't need to because mm. uh, the understandings weren't there early on. But I think we've also... This is one of the areas we got to give Leeds some credit. Somerville, Roca, Harrison, clever players. Probably three of their best players on the pitch in combination. And mm. once or twice, they just put the combos together. And you go back and look at them you say, yeah, that's really fucking good. Uh, really clever little runs. The one where Somerville passes Roca and he do, does a, a pirouette, flicks it in behind Somerville to run on to, swing it round. Didn't quite get the shot off. The one... Area they lacked was in the box in terms of, of finishing quality. But getting into the box, they had some players who could get you there. They had young, fast legs for the most part, uh, which played into their first half performance. Ironically, the sec- in the second half when they get their goal, it's really us. It's a, a tired transition goal, Jorginho jumping in on their player when he was never going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, when he gets beaten there, the guy has the whole of the midfield to run through. Um, like, don't commit yourself like that screen. Don't like, if you're not going to get there, don't get there. And then some tired legs getting dangled. Xhaka, uh Zinchenko, bad body shape for the deflection. If he, if he kept his body shape the way it was straight up, but he turn he does that turning the back thing and it comes off his shoulder that beats Ramsdale. It all just looked a little tired, a bit, uh, well, we got three goals. We're safe, kind of thing. Um, but like it, that, that to me was very much a kind of late uh, in the game, post interlull. We got this covered, kind of thing, and we we dropped our guard there. But in the first half, I think they got at us down that side because that's where their clever players were, and because we weren't we weren't zipping it the way we could have, and we lo- we kind of we spilled it once or twice. I think when your team, the one thing we're not we can do from time to time when we get tired is not handle the transitions coming against us the way we should. And that's all about understandings, accordioning, coming together, being in rest, defense, all those kinds of things. And a lot of that is trusting the players on the ball, that they're going to hit their passes, that players are going to make their moves. And on the right-hand side, I think the fact we were a little off in possession meant we were a little off out of possession in terms of positionings, etc. But also they were quite good down that side.
1: Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, It is interesting. I mean, we're we're now on 18 goals conceded at the Emirates. It's more than Bournemouth have conceded at home. Um, But when you scored 42, like maybe there's no need to complain. And ultimately, we play a type of football that puts immense pressure on the opposition. And if you create 3.78 expected goals every game, don't sweat it if that means you concede a goal. Because you're going to win so many games, most games, the overwhelming number of games, doing that, um, and so I, I think while we always want to see, I mean, look, especially as we're in a title race now, and all of us are clenching at all moments, and we're not going to unclench until after the Wolves game or until after this whole thing is decided. Every time the opposition gets a chance, we're going to think, "What's going on? Why are we? Why did we give them that chance? What were we thinking?" But like on the balance of play, we're not nicking games. We're dominating games. And so, you know, the way we dominate games may just organically mean that the opposition has a few more chances, but not, not the quality of chances we have, Paul.
3: Yeah, Now, I did want to mention, like, the first goal in the second half. Like, it wasn't all different in the sense that we kind of solved our problem by scoring a goal right at the beginning of the second half with more energy, more intensity. But it came down the left-hand side. I mean, you couldn't have a more left-hand side goal. They were literally queuing up Zinchenko, Jaka. Yeah. Um, Martinelli, Martinelli were all standing almost in a line on the touchline uh, doing combinations and like so we actually got things going in the second half again leaning heavily into the, the left hand side uh, yeah. White comes from nowhere uh, on the on the far stick but I mean it's Martinelli's dribble uh, beats uh, what's his face Ailing, whips in a ball that we were debating was that brilliance or just lucky brilliance I think it might have been brilliance the ball he threads it through with conviction to the far post. It's and a brilliant white, ball.
1: I mean, maybe a little lucky that it makes it to the opposite side, but it's a brilliant ball played in yeah. right
3: where he plays it, yeah. And white <laughs> uh, off the underside of the bar just for dramatic effect. But, like, I, I had no idea that was white. I was like, who the f- it was great the did way you, he whipped did in Did you
1: there. see the quote, too? Of course, I mean, it's becoming a bit now, right? They asked Ben yeah. White if Mikel <laughs> let them watch the Man City game before the Leeds game, and Ben White said, I don't watch football.
3: <laughs> I don't watch football. It <laughs> it was his, that
1: was his answer. I love it. Um, and his
3: shithousing of, of uh, I'm going to go with Meslier in the second half at the end of the game. Just oh, yeah, go. where he's like, I'm going to foul you on this corner when it was in yeah, stoppage yeah.
1: time. <laughs> <He's laughs> it's brilliant. Like two minutes to take the corner kick. Um, Clive, let's go back to Jesus for a second, though. Uh, You know, look, there's going to be games. This wasn't one of them, but maybe it was because at the time we hadn't scored yet. And the first goal, we know this, we've talked about this. These first goals for Arsenal, how much do they matter? There are going to be times we need to get something out of nothing. I mean, look at how City got past Palace. Just a little bit of trickery in the box and Olise buys it and and gives away a shitty foul. Jesus, he could have gone down three three different times in that move. He's got players sliding at him all over the place. Um... His his 1v1 quality is going to create goals for us in games where the the interconnections aren't doing it. But I was surprised he took the penalty. He has a very, very poor track record of taking one. But I think it was clear he wanted a goal. I think it's also really interesting the way we did. What's becoming more common now, which is Odegaard faking like he's going to take to take all of the shit housing and right the all the psycho- psychological nonsense ahead of time and then letting Jesus just step up and take it. Can you just quickly a little bit um give me your thoughts on the fact that he took it Odegaard being sort of the psychological shield for him and and the quality of the penalty and getting off the getting off the snide for in terms of scoring like and, 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 and I'm a
3: master that, of reading faces. Clive doesn't love that part of the question. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I mean, not sure what I, I can
1: it's,
5: say because an he's answered well, it as always. <laughs> I'm thinking, what can I, I say? I'm, 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 I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going <laughs> to ask and answer a question, but but then you're also going to talk about what you want to talk about. So this this suits us both, right? So
5: you know, yeah. So well, free swim, so I guess. The, thing, the things in my in my mind. Right? So Jesus, First goal. If I had a wish for the game, that he would score, and, and he did score because he's, yeah. you all know he's streaky, and um, yeah, I, I think I said he had not scored since Spurs at home, and um, which is a long time ago, right? So, um, that goal was very important for him. Although he's experienced and he brings a level of respect, the opposition respect him. Um, he also feels like a leader, but he's a sensitive leader. You can tell that emotionally Mm -hmm. he's not super Mm -hmm. strong. And so this, he needs this. Although he brings a lot of, I've done this before to the group, based on what we've read and heard, um, you can still see he's young in there. Do you know what I mean? He's young and he's still coming to terms with the leadership he has to provide this team. And so for him and his own um, emotional comfort, I think that was really important. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've I've fallen back with him. And I'll have, I did a bit on the IR about players that we think we know, but we don't really know them. You know, I've watched Jesus for years. I didn't know this guy until he came to play for us. You know? I've I watched Trossard for years. And I've really watched him. But then when he plays for you, you feel him. You feel him differently. Yeah. It and then I'm, yeah. I'm trying to open my mind up to how a player could feel for us and once we get them on the shorts and they combine with us get them in the shorts and they combine with us they combine with our players they transmit themselves to us and how we feel about just so we're clear
1: you're saying once you get in his shorts you get a feel for him (laughs) once he gets in the
5: shorts on the grass right i think that is that is key and I think that's re- that's really important. That's that's really important. Sometimes when we're assessing people, think about what they do, what they could do with our players. I mean, I I watched Ben White. I watched him at Leeds. I watched him closely. I watched him playing centre mid. I watched him play at centre back. I watched him absolutely dominate that team. I did not see the best right back in the league because I'm telling you, mate, one of my lines, I'm telling you, mate, he is the best right back in the league. There is no way you can watch him and know anything about football and say to yourself, that guy is not super elite. He is the best right back in the league. I didn't see it a year ago. I didn't see J J.J. bringing what he's bringing to us now and how we'd feel about him. I watched Sinchenko yeah. play, always injured. Didn't see it. Trust us. didn't see it. You know, and I think it's really important for us as we open our minds up to players and where they could be, where they're going, and they all get there at different times. We have a few players that are just, you know, arriving in this team at the same time and accept responsibility and roles and and we all know the combinations that we'd like to see primarily. And There's a bit of debate de- developing and that'll develop again next year when the squad gets built out. But yeah, the emotional... And physical and technical balance of this group is really, really good. And maybe I have to remember that more than worrying about results of other teams in the morning that's affecting my enjoyment of the game, the first half of the game, <laughs> because actually we're not a bad side. And, it's, and, and again, I have to open my mind up to how players are arriving in our team and how we assess them. And I think we've got a few players that are playing above themselves, mate, really playing well.
1: The best teams have gears. I remember Liverpool. There was a game we played against Liverpool. I can't remember. I think it was a home game. And we were in it. We were properly in it. It was maybe two seasons ago. And the next thing you know, it was 3-0. three I think they beat us. Or 3-1, 3-0. And they had put their game. foot on the gas and blew mm-hmm. us away in about a 30-minute period in the second half. And we, we have that now. We weren't great to start the game. It was a little open. We didn't have control of it. Jesus gets a penalty. We get into halftime. We come out, go to another gear. Next thing you know, it's almost four expected goals, and we've blown the doors off them. We had another gear to go to, but I, I think first goals are so important, and Jesus' ability to win that penalty, when it wasn't totally clear where the goal was coming from. There were chances, but it wasn't totally clear. It, it unlocks the game for us. Clive?
5: I just want to add, I remember that Liverpool game. I was at it, and I remember looking at the back line, and I remember looking at Lacazette against Van Dijk and Matip, and as you're watching this game, and you knew that Lacazette was not going to be fresher in the second half than the first half, you're thinking, well, "We're not going to win this." You could literally see mm. our ceiling disappear. Well, I look at yeah. Jesus and Martinelli now, I know the guard and Odegaard and are zipping around, and then Saka comes on to the pitch like he's on a hovercraft, just floating across the grass. I mean, it's just <laughs> a joke. You're thinking they've got no chance, and it's it's a quality of player, maturity of player. They've got no chance. They can't can't run with us. They can't stop with us. They can't get the ball off us. Our first touch is too sharp. Quality of player has improved so much that it's making these games feel a lot better than watching Van Dijk loom over Lacazette and just basically bosh us off the pitch.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'll tell you something. Um, I'm appreciating him now, so I want to be clear. It's not that I'm not appreciating him. But two seasons from now or six seasons from now... There's going to be sepia-toned videos going around whatever social media service has replaced whatever they've banned lately uh, of Zinchenko in this team and how he transformed us and how he wasn't fully appreciated. I, I mean, when you think about your left back stepping into midfield and being your number one passer in the game, having almost 100 passes and just pulling the strings... Who's you know double pivot? Is Shaka a midfielder, you know parties office. It doesn't matter, mate, because you got a left back who will play all over the pitch and play a hundred passes at a high level. And oh, by the way, drop back and take balls off players and beat them first time. Step around pressure. Zinchenko is enabling these beautiful, bright young stars in the attack to go, you know, light up stadiums and score an unbelievable number of goals. And I just wonder if maybe it's going to be only with a little distance that we fully appreciate how how that was done and how he enabled that. Paul, in terms of looking ahead, it's hard for me not to see this moment for Jesus as important. Firstly, maybe as the moment he he comes back and says, all right, I'm the center forward for Arsenal now. And it, it is not a knock on Troussard. By the way, I love the quote. Did you hear the Mikel Arteta quote? Asked if he expected Troussard to be as good as this in his wildest dreams. Mikel Arteta said, quote, I have very wild dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and then a subsequent uh, reporter asked, uh, I'm sure they're all about football, right? And he just kind of cocked his head to the side. He comes out. An interesting couple it, of stats from James Bench here. Yes. Shouldn't say quoi. Since the day he signed for Arsenal, Troussard has as many assists as every Manchester United player combined. He has more assists than every Chelsea player combined. There are nine other teams with a combined assist tally that is less than Trissard's seven for Arsenal. I mean, he'd Mm. just been extraordinary. And his assist for Jesus' second is beautiful. One thing that I noticed in real time (laughs) is he checks over his shoulder (laughs) to see Jesus making the run and then angles his body to be able to play that ball back. What I love about Jesus...
3: look, You dirty liar.
1: uh, I, I am I am a dirty liar. That is not true. I did not <laughs> notice that. In fact, I said I didn't think Dressard New Jesus was there and Paul not only uh, shot me down pre-pod, he gave me the video evidence. But the mistake Paul made is he told me that off mic where I had the ability to update my opinion and not embarrass myself on mic. So, touche. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe you learn look, a thing I, or two there. I had similarly <laughs> thought, I'm going to jump in there. I'd similarly thought that it was just his instinct about where he fires in the cross uh, and then, when I was watching back, I'm like, "Holy shit, He just does it for an instant. He checks over his right shoulder, then jinks the other way. like it's almost like he takes the feed of Jesus making the diagonal towards the six yard box and decides to ignore him. But it turns out he wasn't ignoring him. and um, mm. he goes the other way, cuts it back perfectly into Jesus's pass. It's fucking brilliant.
1: This <laughs> is the thing. Sometimes your striker scores a goal of extraordinary skill. And sometimes your striker scores a goal of extraordinary desire. Jesus wanted another goal. He always wants another goal. He always wants to go again. And he makes a run into a hurtful space that nobody else is marking. And he's rewarded by a beautiful Troussard pass. But Paul, and he was disappointed to be taken off. He wanted his hat trick. He wanted to stay on. I love the mentality. I think Jesus is going to become the the first choice center forward now. And I, I mean... Taking Troussard out of this side is not fair to him, but it's not about fair. It's about talent, and we've got bags of it all over that front three. But I think what Jesus gives us in his individual quality uh, to, to create things out of structure and to win balls back and to Harry impress, I just think it's a little bit more urgent for us that we have him in there. But how important do you think it is, Paul, now that we go into the run that gets pretty tough, that Jesus has these two goals under his belt, that goes in, if he does start at Anfield, not going in with the hasn't scored since, you know, the the dar- derby last year, but goes in coming off a brace and really feeling like he's back.
3: Yeah, no, it's huge. And I think Arteta understood that before this game. I mean, he picked Jesus to start centrally, and Trossard has done nothing, not to deserve starting centrally and like if you ask me i'd have played trossard through the middle and jesus off the right in terms of players who would suit the right hand side and centrally but i get i fully understand as manager why you do this this was it was important in this game that jesus established himself in the lineup again and got firing and got playing in his natural position. I understand from a Jesus standpoint where this was the right move. The goal, interestingly enough, uh, and we were chatting about this beforehand, Trossard is central, and Jesus is to the right on this particular play. And uh, Jesus has been out in the right wing. He connect, he passes, it, rolls it to somebody, drifts into the Odegaard slot there. Trossard is central. central, does a little diagonal out to the right of the six-yard box, checks his shoulder, goes the other way, cuts it back. And like the combined football intelligence of those two guys, they know, they just know. And mm. it, it's it's a tapped in in the the end for Jesus, but because he's on it and because Trossard are on it, nobody has a chance. I mean, he zips in from nowhere. Uh, the slide finish with the extended foot. Um, I'm not sure most players get there, even if they see the run. Um so he'll feel brilliant after that goal. And he, like you could see the emotion welling up in him afterwards. Yep. I think we're going to mm-hmm. get double, triple points score from from that particular goal with Jesus. I think it was a big moment. And what you want, like we've got four or five guys competing for those first three slots. Um, and that's what Trossard gives you because... You know, we had a great performance with him off the right. He's great off the left or as a left eight or as a central striker. And, like, they're all competing to get minutes. And Trossard has done nothing not to um, position himself as a starter. But how do you get him in there? Well, he's going to compete with all three of those guys in some form or other, or at least for minutes, to get on at 60 minutes rather than 75 or 80 minutes. He's going to be first man off the bench every time. Um... He'll start or he'll get 30 minutes, and yeah. that's what you, want. you don't want. What you don't want is 11 players thinking, oh, who's up next and who's, who do we play after that and the pressure, the run-in. You want the guys thinking, oh, shit, I better outplay this guy in training and the game, the game is four days after that and am I in the starting lineup? Not shitting themselves about City, shitting themselves about whether they're starting, whether their place is safe, who they're competing with, who they combine with. Short term, short term, high high pressure to perform.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to. Th- there's a lot of interesting stuff in the second half. There's a beautiful headed Shaka goal from mm. uh, a lovely Odegaard assist. In a way, this was a game of cameos because, like, I don't think Troussard was at his best, but boy, was that a great moment for the assist to Jesus. And I don't know that Odegaard was was at his best, but boy, was that a great assist, you know, for for Granite Shaka and a beautiful headed goal. It, you know, little cameos here and there that just sort of stood out. Um, we still have to have a little time to laugh at Chelsea, who have sacked another manager this season. I think they're up to two this season, so congratulations for them. Um, and United getting pounded at St. James Park. The, I, I will say, I, I think United's title chances faltered today. I, I think this was a blow to those title chances. All kidding aside, Manchester United, who are title contenders, quadruple contenders, and are back under Eric Ten Hag, have a pretty good chance of finishing fifth. And, like, right now, they are three points better off under Ten Hag than whatever previous joker they had uh, last season. That's, that's how back they are. So let's just keep that in perspective. We're going um, to talk some subs. We're going to talk some Smith Rowe, a, a few other things, uh, maybe a little bit of Saliba Fitness and look ahead Danfield. We're going to do all of that. But we're also going to tell you about Shady Rays. And I'm going to tell you something. I love their sunglasses. Yeah, it's getting to be spring. It's getting to be summer. It's getting to be outdoor time. Maybe you're going to go snow skiing. They do uh, polarized goggles. They do um, premium polarized sunglasses. They have cu- uh, customizable uh, snow goggles, I should say. They they just have great uh, styles. Like There's a lot of styles, so you have a lot of things to choose from. You go to ShadyRays.com, and you use promo code Arsenal Vision. You get 50% off on two-plus pairs of polarized glasses. But here's the thing that's really bananas about this. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by a lost and broken replacement. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Like that's ridiculous because the only time I ever buy sunglasses is when I've lost or broken a pair. Um, To date, they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger. And as you know, we uh, believe in philanthropy here at the Arsenal Vision Podcast. So love that about them. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free. So you have 30 days to try them out with a risk-free Guarantee plus the lost and broken replacement. Go for it. Go to shadyrays.com, use code ArsenalVision, 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. And try something that goes inside your body as well. What would that be? Oh, I think you know it's Athletic Greens AG1. AG1 is 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, Uh, whole food source superfoods, adaptogens, probiotics. Basically, look at the shelf in your home, wherever you are, that's got all the gummies and vitamins and nonsense that you take. Look at whether sugar is the first or second ingredient. It probably is. It's not the stuff you want to be taking and you're taking so much of it. You can save the money, you can save the hassle, you can save the waste of time. Switch to AG1 for recovery, for energy, for gut health. A big reason I started taking it before I uh, was even asked to talk about it on this podcast. And I think you're just going to find that it, it is it is a game changer in terms of your your health, but also in terms of your health routine. So uh, a couple of things to know, it is less than the price of a, a fancy cup of coffee a day. It was designed by athletes with athletes in mind. So if recovery is important for you, you can do that if you're trying to get in shape because uh, you know it's it's almost spring, summer, which means we got to take off all the heavy clothes. They've been hiding all the extra stuff I've, I've been hiding in there. So uh, yeah, it, it's perfect time for that. If a freak, uh, if a comprehensive solution is what you want and what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Take those with me wherever I go, by the way, with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out, Clive. In a very composed and normal voice, I will ask you. Indeed. Now, to, Clive, um, one thing that I liked about the way this game wound up ending is that we did get to get uh, some players off, right? Get some some rest for some players. Not a lot of rest, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting that Saka came on. You said he did come on like he was on a hovercraft. And I think it's, look, it, it, we've learned by now you can't believe Mikel Arteta on anything he says about who's ill or who's fit or who's this or who's that. I mean, if, if Saka was really genuinely ill, I don't think he comes on and plays this game, so I think he's probably fine. I think it's great that we're able to sneak him some rest for some minutes. Jorginho coming on for party was a luxury. We were able to get Zinchenko off. One thing that I thought was interesting, granted it was very, 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 very late in the game, unfortunately, but Smith Rowe came on for Odegaard. You know, for most of his career at Arsenal, Smith Rowe's been a winger, but he does wear the number 10, uh, a career at Arsenal under Arteta anyway. He does wear the number 10. He did come on for our de facto number 10, Martin Odegaard. Any thoughts on any of the subs we made? And and maybe specifically uh, Smith Rowe? replacing Odegaard as a, a little hint to where Mikel might feel his future, if it's at Arsenal, will be?
5: I uh, didn't see any hints. Um, well, maybe you can look at it. I, I'm, I'm not too worried, really. I'm I'm more concerned about people getting the right rest when Granit Xhaka mm-hmm. goes away and he comes off because he scored a goal, deserves a clap, come off. Vieira comes on for him. That's maybe something to think about. Different style left eights, you know, something to think about there. Smith-Rowe, to be defined for me, uh, Smith-Rowe and Vieira have been pocketed by Odegaard, uh, sorry, by um, Trossard, really. He's come mm. in and just said, um, you know what, lads, I'm going to step above you in the pecking order. And Because um, right now, uh, I think Trossard could play left eight better than Vieira or Smith-Rowe. I think he can play Odegaard's position better than Vieira or Smith-Rowe. And he's also played false nine. We know he can play off the left. So I think he's jumped up the queue. And uh, he's, and he's done that by his actions, not what I say. His actions are clear, right? So, um, based his assists and his impact to the team and how he makes other people better, and that's a great thing for me. I just looked at the touches of our team, and I think every player I had over fifty touches. Sinchenko, hundred nineteen. I mean, gee whiz, he's just running the game. You know, that's a ridiculous number that is. You know, for a left back, that's what. How do you deal with that? You know, I don't care if you got speedy forwards like Leeds had. If you haven't got the ball, you do it you, sorry, mate. It's it's over for you. You know, and um so yeah, it's 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 lovely to watch this group. So and we we got some rested legs. I've got one one worry. You know, I worry about a couple of things I worry about with this team. I'm gonna say it now as we get to the pressure moments. Newcastle, what they did to us. In that 4 5 1 system, when we had to play outside of their shape, they walled off the sides. They really didn't. You know, on the fourth goal yesterday, when four players went over to Saka and Saka found one inch of space to get the ball out, he couldn't find that inch of space against Newcastle. So we got to be really sharp to get that ball out when they wall off the sides. And the teams that do that, and we have to play outside of their shape, that, that, that worries me. And then when we force it on that internal path from outside to in, And teams then want to transition on us. And what we do, because we crash the box, we go five high, Shaka goes in, and we leave that central player very alone. And we have athletic defenders, but if Ben White's gone a bit high too early, suddenly we can be exposed on that transition. That's a worry. That's why we all love Thomas Pye, because basically, you know, his role within the team, because basically... He's enabled to really time those tackles and really go in. Unlike Jorginho, as Paul lewd earlier, he gambles on the front foot on transitions. If he wins it, great. We get a counter-press. If he doesn't, we're just watching lots of people running back towards our goal in a, in a panicked way. So that's the thing that worries me going forward. If we bring all our top boys to these ga- to these games, I'm sure we're going to play well. But the accuracy of that pass from outside to in is very important and we saw that improve in the second half. We got more control, more execution and won the game. That's a worry for me. Um, that's the only worry I have watching this group. Injury and that particular game state coming out to win and how we protect our defensive transition. That's that's our kryptonite for me. And um we managed to get away with it because our defenders are brilliant. And you know, but I will say this how many games now is Aaron Ramsdale making saves? He made four saves in this game, all from inside the box. So we have work to do for me to control. decision-making is
3: great, isn't it, Clive? For a young keeper.
5: Yeah, it's great, Paul. It's all great. I think he's, you know, I wouldn't want any other 24-year-old keeper to be in our goal, right? He's absolutely Mm -hmm. fantastic. He's getting better and better, particularly in one-on-ones. Yeah, but I don't want him making four saves and four shots inside the box, mate. If I'm honest with you, I want that to be stopped earlier in the in in the in the in the scenario. I want it to be stopped early. I want it to be crunched early. I want to f- people outside of our box because that will hurt us eventually. So. That's my worry. For all, I have wonderful feelings about his football club at the moment and the team, but I'm I, sorry I have to share the doubts. <laughs> I have to share the doubts, and worry that I have, um, because it's, it's not say it's a problem. I think it's something to 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 be concerned about. That's all, and just nothing more than that.
1: When 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 you've conceded 19 goals at home in a season where you're this good, hey, you raise an eyebrow at that. Um, it's funny because one thing that I think Troussard maybe wasn't as good at in this game as Saka is, I don't know if he was quite as good tracking back defensively. Saka does a lot of really good work helping out defensively. And maybe that's a side of Trissard's game that, that he, he could still build on. Um, Maybe it was just being on the right, or maybe I saw it wrong. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people will let me know. Um, Paul, look, I, I hesitate to bring up Rob holding because Mm -hmm. Rob holding did the job that needed to be done. Uh, I, I brought this up on the instant reaction. He made, Roughly the same number of passes that Saliba averages in a game. He, I think he tr- attempted sixty-seven, and Saliba's closer to about seventy. And he completed a few less than than Saliba would. Saliba's about ninety-one percent passer holding was about eighty-seven percent. About the same thing, maybe not the same silkiness necessarily, but he did a really nice job. It was perfectly fine. I think there were a few times when he maybe got turned or maybe looked a little nervous running back. You know, and, and he does. I think he's a he has always been a little nervous about engaging. 1v1 in the duels, and so either he's over-aggressive like we saw in the Palace game, remember, um, when he he went through the man? Was it the Palace game? He he went through the man high up the pitch early on, um, or he'll he'll drop off. So I think there are little things, but as I said earlier in the pod, I don't expect my backup center back to be my superstar, William Saliba. I expect him to be good enough, and he was good enough. The question now, though, is what we think happens going into Anfield. Mikel's given very little away. He said he was very hopeful Saliba will play again this season. You can read that as Saliba will play again this season because he's very hopeful of it, or you can read it as saying it that way is a hint to how serious this might be. Saliba was filmed on the pitch high fiving with Gabriel at the end of the game and moving around like hard to tell, right? Because he's not going to be in a back brace, obviously. If he was in a back brace, like he's, not, you know, he's not playing anytime soon. You just don't know. Backs are tricky. Thoughts on. You know, the, the need to have be back for Anfield in these upcoming games and, and what holding has shown you so far in the two that he
3: started? Um, I think he's been pretty solid. Um, and I, I do think there's that differentiation between the two, three big games we're going to have where we're, our whole back line is going to be under stress. And they can't cover each other to the same degree. And the, the screen in front of them, Thomas Party, won't always be for, there for them against a, mm. a city or a good Liverpool or a Newcastle if they're in form or a Brighton if they're really at. There's probably two, three, four games where our back line's gonna going to be potentially very stressed and centre-backs are going to get isolated and have to rely on their own resources. In this particular game... Uh, I thought he was very solid. i It's hard to separate out his nervousness versus our nervousness watching him. I think this was more a case that we were nervous watching him rather than he was nervous. I think he was well playing well within himself generally. Um, I think he's going to be fine for most of the run in. I do look, I'm no expert on backs or uh, back surgery or back anything. But I do kind of picture it that he's not going to get any better in the next, uh, uh, whatever, two months. <clears throat> it is what it is, and they're going to have to pick a couple of games he's as likely to be able to play now as he is in, say, that was me, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Seven years, and he doesn't know to silence his, his cell phone. It well, is
1: is charming. Please, it, carry It was on. Archer. It was Archer. <laughs> um <laughs>
3: Yeah, look, um, I think he's probably as fit now as he's going to be in three weeks' time. It's I, just I a have question to point of- out the irony that you can't remember to unmute your microphone
1: and you can't remember to mute your phone. Like You just have yeah. to do the t- opposite, right? Remember to make your mm. microphone audible and your phone not audible. Anyway, I'm sorry, there's just an the irony. The real cost irony. here is to the listeners. Oh, there you go. There's, that's why he mutes his microphone. To be fair to him, you were making a brilliant point, and I have derailed you as has your your dog and your phone. Please carry yeah. on,
3: I insist. Look, the point <laughs> is, they might as well uh, shoot him up with whatever painkiller they're going to inject in his back for Anfield uh, this weekend, as uh, rather than waiting three or four weeks. Like I don't think, again, no expertise here, but the way I picture it, it's just. Uh, deciding which games they're going to put him in for and he's going to suck up the pain Um, and I suspect there's a reasonable chance that's Anfield even though he wasn't even on the bench in this game it's just a question of picking which games they put him in I don't think he's going to feel loads better at any particular point just a pet theory that it it could well be Anfield and City the next two games upcoming I mean if it ain't those games kind of what was it for to some degree? You shoot him up with muscle relaxants and painkillers and you send him out there. I
1: mean, you absolutely yeah. do that. Um, and yeah, I know no there'll expertise, be that, but. No, you absolutely do it. Of course you do it. And and I think the, the five sub thing is so important because once upon a time, you'd be terrified to do it because you think if it doesn't work, I only have two subs left. With five subs, it, it, you can absolutely do it because if after 20 minutes, he just can't get loose and it's not working out, then you bring holding on. But you absolutely do it. Clive, you're shaking your head. You disagree. I, I want to be clear on this. Like and and you know I love you and respect your intelligence, you're wrong if you disagree. But please, uh, I'm opening the floor to you to,
5: to disagree. <laughs> you can't you can't play a player if he's not ready. It's as simple as that. If he's not ready.
3: Well, what if name, what if you can get him? Name, like what if you can get an injection?
5: O- the name only gives you comfort. The moment they get turned, you think shit, he wasn't ready. And I was wrong. That's fair. Yeah, and, and that's it. If a player's ready, they play. If a player's not ready, they they can't play. It's as simple as that. We went to Newcastle last year. I think it was, I'm sure if it was Ben White or Gabriel. I had literally had a hamstring two days previously and they, they rolled themselves out. Ben White, they were, yeah. They are on the, he was on the pitch but he wasn't ready. We got, we got and Callum Wilson running behind about 20 times. If Ben White was fit, he catches him every single time. Right, so, so Ben White was there but he was ready to play. You no, know, that's good, and that's because Holding got set off in the previous game, <laughs> so he had to <laughs> play, remember, <you know? laughs> and because Cedric was on another island and left holding alone. so these things happen, right so yeah i I think the club have learnt a lot of lessons from the days when we played Thomas Pye ahead of time at at Spurs, and he breaks down on the second breakaway goal, and then we lose him for weeks. You know, that sort of stuff, we we got to stop doing. Playing Tomiyasu when he was injured in last January, played him in a Carling Cup game, I think it was, against Liverpool, when he wasn't ready, and broke him for two, three months, and he's still not right. You just can't do it. It has career It has mm. career issues. You, you just can't do it. I watched a game yesterday, and I was looking at holding, and I was looking at how I went to the Palace game as well. I tell you, mate, I didn't sense any stress at all around him I, I did if I'm wrong I'm wrong you know because I've been at the games live and sometimes you watch it on TV you have a different feeling but I didn't sense any stress once he settled down in the Palace game once he'd gone through his moments where he wants to smash everything then settled down, he was fine, and pay got a decent attack. Yeah. And yesterday I didn't look at him. I just didn't even care. He was just absolutely fine. Again, if I'm wrong, please tell me. I can't even take it as I find it, right? And I've had the same fears. I've I remember the day against Liverpool, him and Chambers got spun around like spinning tops. I'm thinking, How why how could they still be at the club? But I've I'm looking at him now. He's a much better athlete. He's much fitter, he's much quicker, and he's much better in distribution. So I have to say it. I have to say what I see. Do I worry? Of course I worry. But I watched him, I watched him really fight Harland. He really fought him. Was I worried? Of course I was worried. But I think his attitude yep. has changed, and I've got to give credit to him. He's, his attitude has changed. He wants to impact the group. He's got a senior role within the group. I don't think he's going to let anybody down. And Okay, look, I'm not sure if we're going to win at Anfield, because we never do. But mate, we're <laughs> we're not we're not well it's just not it's not real Madrid. That's all I'm saying. It's not real Madrid. It's not the Little of yesteryear, where you can't even breathe in their ground. It's time for us to go there and um, and sort them out. You know, and, and we have the players to do it. If Feliba's not ready, then hold him plays and he plays well. It's as simple as that. If the rest of the back four are there, we'll be fine. Honestly we just need to make sure that we're fit and ready in the top end of the pitch. And if we're having our top six players in the top end of the pitch all having north of 50 touches, that's what I want to see. That means we've got the the collaboration and the movement and the rotation. That's what I want to see. And let's see if Liverpool can deal with that. Because last time I looked, their right back is making Cedric look, look good. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's, a, that's an issue. So we got to think about the problems they have. You know, so... I'm looking forward to it. And if Rob Holding plays, I'm right behind him. He has his limits, but I really think we have to take it as we find it. I think he's really improved so far.
1: Yeah. Just to be clear, Clive, my desire to see Saliba start those games and that game in particular is not because I think Holding hasn't been good when he's been given the chance. Um, it's tough. Maybe I am carrying the scars of the the performance at Spurs last season a little bit when he was really fired up emotionally. And I think it got the better of him. And frankly, I don't think that was a a, a talent issue. I think that was a psychology issue. I think he was just too, too fired up, you know, and, and he let that moment get to him. Um,
5: I think that moment I, got I, to a few of our players, actually. Yeah. I don't like to. Well, and he's also it.
1: playing next to Cedric and he's playing, you know, with no Thomas well, Party. I think we started he, El, he Nenny, wasn't, El wasn't and Cedric. He was playing
5: next to Cedric. That was a problem. No, <laughs> Cedric well, yeah, he should have. Up the road, right? Playing his well, own game, trying to whip in crosses, right? So, um, and then giving, uh, the giving away the first penalty. I mean, crikey. I mean, we got a- holding any, scars, but there's one player that's not at the club anymore. That tells you which one's trusted. <laughs> Take that for nothing. Yeah,
1: no any player is going to look different when it's. Ben White to one side of him and Thomas Party in front of him and Gabriel next to him, as opposed to, you know, the Boxer Rebels that he had.
3: Yeah. El Nani Cedric. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You're not,
5: you're not wrong. We had Tom Yester playing left back that day, you remember? Yep. I think he was. Yep. And um, and so, edit hey, hey, the feelings you have, I have. I have them. But I can only say yeah. what I see, you know? And I can only say what I see. For listeners who listened to me for many, many years, I've had a few Rob Holding moments on this podcast. So don't tell me. <laughs> it all, but I can only say what I'm seeing in these last two games, and I've watched them. And I, I like to Experimental
3: I feel, drugs, shoot Saliba yeah. up with everything we've got, stuff they won't even <laughs> test on animals. good <laughs> <laughs> not know his name we all of course, uh, Desenta, as, here we go let's do it uh, as,
5: as Arsenal fans <laughs> let's be honest right if we can get that first 11 out for the next nine games and they're all in tip top shape we would all take it right now we would all take it despite the fact we like other players beneath the group and we they've got very we have varying uh, views on them if we could pick that first 11 they could play 90 minutes for all the next nine games and then be tip top we're, we're having that all day aren't we all of us yeah. you know but but it's not going to work like that, and that's the way that's the way the game is. So we've we've really got to get behind the others just below them.
1: Yeah, we we can do a full Anfield preview um, on the Thursday pod, and we'll we'll have a lot of stuff uh, over on the Patreon side too. So I don't think we need to to do too much on that, Paul. Before we shift gears a little bit to a couple other conversations, anything else from this game that stands out to you? I think, um, like frankly, I just think that this was. The kind of performance that in a way, I'm going to say it in a weird way, so please everybody bear with me. It validates some of the things I was trying to articulate in previous seasons when we said, can Arteta coach an attack? And, you know, uh, why, why we had some of the anxiety we had, right? Because I just feel so strongly that a team that creates this much pressure on the opposition defense has a lot more cushion to work with. We weren't perfect in this game. They had a few chances. They had a few openings. They scored a jammy goal. And it was never in doubt because we won it 4-1. I'll admit, even at 3-1, I felt a little nervous. I think that's much more to do with being in a title race than it is that we were under pressure. Um, we're going to feel nervous. I mean, if we're up 6-0 against teams going through this run-in, if they get a goal back, we're going to feel nervous. Unfortunately, that's just how this works. Um, yeah. And oh, by the way, goal difference may matter. If it does, I probably won't survive the run-in. But you know, another reason why it, we should care. But this is my point, Paul, right? Like, we now put defenses under such pressure and create so many chances that we have this cushion to work with. And that's why I wanted to get to this point. Now that we're here, it's a dream come true. You know, we've got 70 some odd goals or whatever it is. This is a banana stat I I just clocked. We're 30 points clear of Liverpool as we record this. If I told you going into this preseason, we'd have a 30 point gap on Liverpool in April, you'd say there's no way. Do you want to know what the turnaround is? We are 52 points better off versus Liverpool now versus the end of last season. 52 point turnaround. I mean, that's just astonishing stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I I do want to quickly laugh at Chelsea, but did you have any other bits and bobs from this game?
3: Yes, Mm -hmm. I do. Look, Mm -hmm. I think psychologically this was a significant game. The whole interlull, not fumbling the ball, getting you three points. The three points is the most important thing, kind of. But like actually the the really important thing out of this was city played before us, we responded. they got a four1, I think we got a four1, uh, theirs was against Liverpool, who were possibly worse than Leeds <laughs> once, once that game played out. Uh, Leeds, I think were far more creditable until at least early second half. um we just like this set some message of strength, not weakness, like not that we're hanging in there. There was all that talk about we can't be doing these nervy games where we pull it out at the last moment or we beat somebody 1-0 and we're kind of like on tenterhooks for 90 minutes. We've been bashing teams 4-1, 4-2. We've had a couple of 1-0s mixing it up. There's different ways to win. And like we've shown no weakness. Um, There's a couple of big games coming up and Mm -hmm. it was important to go into those having come away with it, like the story of this game will be 4-1. And the the fact that it took us 30 minutes to get going, you know, won't won't register with anybody. So I think psychologically, we need to, again, send a message to ourselves and to the medias and everybody else and to City. We're going to go back and forward, back and forward, all the way through on the run-in. And 4-1, thank you very much. Comfortable, easy, Jesus, uh, in the mix, uh, four guys competing for three places up front. It's all good. It's all good. No weakness. Well
1: said, uh, Clive, I, I know this isn't your strong suit, but we're going to hit the schadenfreude Woo-hoo. for a minute here. Arsenal go into the week rested and ready. Liverpool. Who's up next for them? Having just been beaten by city. Chelsea. New manager bounce, baby. Chelsea FC. <laughs> Meanwhile, Manchester City, who do they have next? New manager bounce, Leicester City. We'll see. We'll see if that matters. But um yeah, Chelsea will soon be on their third manager of the season. Graham Potter brought his XG challenges to Chelsea and they had uh, were not patient with it. Mudrick booed off essentially after a miserable hour. Uh it's it's not really working for that player at the moment. <laughs> Would you like to weigh in on on Chelsea sacking Graham Potter? It's it kicks off an in interesting musical chairs. I could see Nagelsmann landing there. Nagelsmann, whatever. I could see Potter landing at Leicester. I could see Sherwood landing at Spurs. So a lot of a lot of chairs still to move into place. Do you have do you have some thoughts on on Chelsea changing manager and if maybe these manager changes could have implications for their upcoming games against Liverpool and, and City?
5: Yeah, Chelsea uh, are not my favorite team in it, if I'm honest with you. If, if you look at the last 20 years, they've probably impacted us more than any other team. They took our place in in, in London, let's be honest. Uh, they've, grown a, they've grown a global fan base based on the fact that they were funded by £1.5 billion of extra funding from, a, from an oligarch, and we all know the story there. Um, and because of that, they've become the most successful team in England since he arrived. And that, to me, should have been looked at many years ago. And it's taken way too long for me to see them have some form of fall. I, I think what they've done in recent years under Todd Bowley, in recent weeks, months, sorry, what they've done is they've built that squad almost like a fan would build a squad. Just buy a few players that, that were quite hot and quite good and I've I, the amount of times I've looked at YouTube and thought I like him and if I haven't told anybody but then I, I wouldn't I bought him 50 million quid do you know what I mean <laughs> I just oh I like him <laughs> and then six months later when he's actually rubbish I just walk around saying oh you're so clever Clive do you know what I mean <laughs> but really <laughs> how, how many of us has done that oh I like him do not say anything and then he just turns out to be crap well actually all those players actually playing for Chelsea you know I'm looking at their their team yesterday right so Rhys James playing um Right centre back, Kulabali and Mark Kukarrella. That's not going to keep anything out. That's not going to keep out any burglars, mate. That's just let let them in. They just go forward. Players. Kulabali is literally hundred and eight, right? So he can't hold that mid, that mid on his own. Lost his cheek. Well, he's been getting two million quid a year since he was seventeen. You know, he's he's his motivation is gone. You know, he's just not playing well. Enzo I'm not I'm not up to date on him Tony only tell you but he doesn't look like 100 million quid to me Kovacic's a good player Ben Chiu was not bad plays backwards a lot Kai Herbert's what is he Mudrik what is he we watched him a lot I've watched so many YouTube's I started to get like a YouTube <laughs> music collection there's so many YouTube's I watched I was convinced that he had talent but just needed to he was a 40 million pound player well he doesn't like he doesn't like a 14 million pound player at the moment he looks inexperienced mm. He looks so inexperienced. And, he, and he's a player that needed development. Not going to Chelsea with the world looking at you. He looks crushed. And Joe Felix, is just a, an expensive loan trinket. That's their team. There's nothing there. There's no glue. There's no substance. He just, he's just football manager stuff. I mean, he really is. Yeah. So their demise cannot come quick enough for me. Paul's actually a, not a bad guy in your stats world. He's probably someone that shines quite good. But some of these people, it's very difficult for managers. When they get offered a lot of money, knowing if they get fired, they're set for life. It's very difficult for them to say no to these jobs. But sometimes I I wish some of them would say no because he was never a fit for that club. A club that was changing his identity. We weren't sure what identity was. And they threw in a, a nice guy development coach into that group amongst a group of fans that have had 19 years of absolute ferocious success. If someone loses free games, the guy gets fired. You threw that guy into that environment? It can't happen. So, A lot yeah. of people got things to um, to be answerable for. You know, I hope Potter goes off and finds himself in Mauritius and he's spending his money. Good luck to him. And come back to another <laughs> club that suits his personality, that allows him to be who he is. As for Chelsea, the they well, they're going to probably end up with Nagelsmann. Right? So things could turn very quickly, right? So, because he's, he's an interesting guy, an interesting coach. But again, is he a football major coach? Do we know anything about him as an individual? What's he like under pressure? We don't know enough. He's a very interesting tactician, but again, they need to think carefully about how they develop their next managerial role. There's a few trinkets out there they could go for, right? So, as I'm concerned, not a club I'm a fan of at all. In fact, they're close to Spurs for me, if not if not worse mm. than Spurs, because what they've done mm. to the English game had have disrupted the market, disrupted the financial serenity of the English game, and so I think they've got a lot to be answerable for. So the quicker they could disappear, the better.
1: It's so interesting, right? Because this time of the season, when you're in a title race, all you think about with these other teams is how did the thing they they just did impact what we're trying to do? And City and Arsenal both play Chelsea still, right? So, but they play him a little later. So maybe they do get Nagelsmann in, but he hasn't had the impact yet, and they come to the Emirates, and, you know, they get a bit of a kicking, but then he starts to make the impact, and they... Have a say in how this title race plays out when when they play City. I mean, you just don't know. Can can Leicester show a little bit of resolve, Paul, when City play them? You know, with no manager, I doubt that. I mean, will they even have a new manager? Maybe maybe Graham Potter will wind up there. Certainly not going to happen between now and when City play them. Do you have a thought on the the dominoes that might fall with with Potter being sacked and Rodgers being sacked, and the fact that we play Chelsea and City play
3: both of those teams? uh just it's like just kind of throwing things up in the air where you don't know in in a way we've got our lead um the knowns are fairly known there's a couple of critical Mm. games that didn't involve those teams or haven't until this point i I thought we had the chelsea thing nailed down but then so did city so now there's a bit more of an unknown i prefer fewer unknowns because we're the guys with the lead So I don't love that part of it, but it's not necessarily bad news. Um, It does feel like something happening to other teams in another league, though. We're so much in our own uh, stream within this league. Uh, You know, I watched uh, United and Newcastle today, and I didn't really care. It doesn't... You know what's funny, Paul? I loved it, and I found it
1: hysterical, and I was laughing at United And then I thought of that wall of noise and the way that crowd urged them on to beat United. And I thought about our trip to St. James last season and the one we have coming up. And I'm like, that is a a scary place to go, unfortunately. It
3: is a scary place to go, but I think they might get a bit of a surprise because they're going to have to play a little football, unlike when they came to the Emirates. And assuming we go with all our big boys, specifically having party in the team, having... Uh, Jesus, you know, we played them with Enketia, who I like as a player, but this, had we had Trossard, like we really got stuck against Newcastle because they had two V1s against Saka and against Martinelli, and we couldn't break that part of it down. One of the things I liked about this game we just played against Leeds were the two uh, crosses floated in. One to Jesus for the header that he got just over the bar. One to Xhaka that he buried uh, for the goal, mixing those things up when somebody's got a line of five or six defenders. Uh, they were basically trying to do the same thing, stretch, have defenders across the pitch. Newcastle will have to play a little more ball against us. And yeah, there's a bit of danger there. But I, I fancy us this time around. I think they're going to get a little shock compared to last year, compared to their success at the Emirates when they basically played coward ball against us. They can't do that uh, at St. James's. They're going to have to play a little football and they're not going to uh, pin Martinelli and Saka to the touch lines this time around. We we got yeah. way too much sauce for them with Trossard, Jesus in the mix. Um, I'm okay the the good news one. is they've got like a pretty
1: easy run of fixtures between now and May 7th when they play us. like They could legit have top four sewn up when we show up there. Yeah. Um, Now, granted, they weren't really playing for anything when we showed up there last season either, but it it may just be they Uh, may be that step closer to the beach than they were when we got there last season. I don't know. I think
3: psychologically that was an important time for them last year, Um, but I still don't think they'll be on the beach this time around. They're having too much fun. I just think they're going to get a surprise. Yeah, Clive?
5: No, I I agree, Paul. I think last year they were it was a TV game, and it was they wanted to announce themselves as a big club again, and we walked into them. Sometimes you walk through a door at the wrong time, and we walked into them at the wrong.
3: We were limping as well. They could smell blood, Uh, right, close? Yeah, they they did well
5: against the Darcy. They they beat you know. The games we've lost in the last couple of years. I've gone, you know what, we're a bit unlucky there. We missed a couple of big chances. Even against yeah. Newcastle at home this year, we missed a big chance, although I thought it was a fair result based on the effort that they put in. But last year, they beat us up, man. They beat us up proper. And there was no debate. I I No debate. They beat us up proper. We could not get anywhere near that game. This year now, we've got far more control, far more controlling players. We control the ball a lot more. I think they're going to be on the transition, much like Lee's trying to do, and they've got stronger athletes, shall we say, bigger athletes on the transition. They can take the ball and really run through us. So it's going to be about our ability to control the ball against them. I think Newcastle are very, forget the things outside of the pitch, which I'm not an expert on. We all know, we've all got our feelings on that, but we can't change the fact that the owners are there and they're coming, right? So, But they are an interesting project. And how they're building their team. You know, said, I said before, I've got deja vu, I said before, they're looking at Tierney, they're looking at Madison, they're looking at McTominay. There are three Brits that come into that group, hardworking, strong players, and a trickster in the middle of the pitch giving some creativity. And they spoke today on TV about having strong athletes in the team. That's what Eddie Howe wants. A strong, athletic team that can really run and work hard. And I think they're building a team for their fans. And that's what they want to see. I think that's really smart. Unlike what Chelsea have done, what are they building? You know, what are they at the moment? You know, same with Spurs. What, are, what is their identity? What are they trying to build? They've lost themselves a little bit, right? So it was Manchester United, Liverpool will come again, and City has solid an identity. We are developing ours. We've developed ours, which suits our fan base. It really does. And that's why we have the connection. And so when it's not connected, you see what happens, right? Managers get fired. That end-to-end connection alignment is so important. And uh, we have it, and long may it continue. And I hope we all remember what this feels like. Because it's not, you know, it's more than just results. I hope we remember what this feels like. And Elliot, I know you're doing a lot of work to fundraise for the club's chosen charity, and you know, we're all doing the work, but you have especially have taken the miles and done the time. And... um it, it all goes to that connection that we all feel, right? And um, and that's why the numbers that we're seeing on our total going up, I'm looking at some of the messages that we're podcasting and this incredible generosity and kindness from people. Met people in the to yesterday. Honestly, lads, you don't get a chance to see this very often, but there's so many people that support what we're trying to do and it's really humbling and for those that put their money in, I thank you very, very much.
1: Well said, yeah. I, I think, um, well first of all yeah there's just no no words for the the generosity and support that you see with the fundraiser and just in general around this community and the number of people that say that you know they really feel like they're a part of something the feeling is definitely mutual um as as far as the football goes I I would say this it's funny because going to Anfield scares me going to St. James scares me going to the Etihad doesn't and it's this weird sort of I don't know. It's this weird sort of cognitive dissonance because I just can't think of the Etihad as an intimidating place to go. But the last time we won there was probably—I can't even imagine—like before Sheikh Mansour
5: rocked up, I think probably it was 2015. Um, I think it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, is—is is that it? Is it eight years? Jeez. Um, but you know what I mean, right? Like Anfield just feels like that cauldron, and and St James feels the same way. And yet the Etihad has that sort of cold. It just leaves you cold. It has that sense of, of not being an intimidating place to go. It's the, it's the team that plays there. That's intimidating. Getting the Anfield monkey off our back would be, would be really big for this team. You know, if you remember back guys, do you remember? I think there was, um, I think there was a a series of episodes earlier this season that I said, like, let's prove it was the title of one episode. And like, we proved it or something was, I, I, do you remember Paul, you made fun of me. I had like a, a. Movie scene type monologue at the end of one of our pods, and you were like, "Oh, here comes the rising music again." But it was it was sort of like when so we that were was about a pod play, I made fun of you on. Okay, yes, yes, me. yes, yeah. What? I mean, that doesn't narrow it down. But it was like if you remember, I think it was right before yeah. we played Liverpool, and I was sort of saying, "We've seen it in preseason. We saw yep. it last season. We've seen what we can do. We didn't quite get there against United. Maybe we were hard done by. Now let's prove it." Right was my point because Liverpool had been sort of a bogey team for us and a team that we felt we had to get past if we wanted to really show we were title and now I feel here we are at the tail end of the season and it's trips to Anfield and St. James and Eddie had that we have to prove it if we want to be champions we proved it against Liverpool Liverpool and other teams early in the season that we were legit now we have to prove it at the end of the season if we want to get to the promised land and Anfield feels like the first monkey to get off our back I mean as a final final word here they are absolutely gettable defensively they are a shambles but at home Let's make no mistake about it. They beat Manchester United 7-0 at home. They have a plus 25 goal difference at home. They have only lost three games at home. This is, this is more like the Liverpool we think of than the one away. I just I can't see it being anything other than Scorefest. We're not going to do a full preview, but just in terms of the importance psychologically of, of getting something in Anfield and believing that we have that in us after all these years of not doing it. Is it, is it really that big? Because it feels that big to me.
3: It is that big. Uh, look, they're going to have Nunez uh, starting, I assume, next weekend. And like we may think he's funny, but he's a force of nature. He's a force of nature, yeah. He uh, and he changes the energy of a game. Um, and so, uh, and, and there's a good chance he may be coming down our right hand side, closer to uh, our our right center back. So, like, it, it's going to be a tougher game than it might feel. It should be based on the football we've just seen from Liverpool. But yeah, we should be going there to stress their defense. If if we're not all in looking to stress their defense, we're leaving money on the table here because when you get at them, when you pull their midfield apart, when you pull their defense into uncomfortable spots, we should be able to give them um, all sorts of of discomfort uh, in the attacking end of the pitch. So we got to go all out at it and therefore to your point yeah i think there's a really good chance it's going to be a bit of a classic score for us fest uh potentially a number of goals uh, on both ends a nail biter right to the end and that's how it should be when you go back and you write uh, write the story of this campaign when we uh come away victorious with this title or not uh it's going to have a few games like this it's a huge game for us um, we catch them with us in a good moment and them questioning uh, if they have a plan, if they have a boat that holds water and we've got to absolutely stress the be Jays out of their back line, their midfield and give them hell. But yeah, it's been a long time since we've beaten Liverpool at Anfield in the premier league. On the other hand, our star star isn't rising anymore. It's risen and theirs is on the wane. So, uh, could hopefully be a bit of a classic, a classic we like.
1: It it's a it's a fixture that has been blockbuster entertainment through the years, but way too one sided recently. We fixed that on the away, uh, in the away fixture earlier this season. Now we need uh, pardon me the home fixture. Now we need to fix it in the away fixture. I think we can leave it there. A, a lot to do on the Patreon side this week. A lot to do on Thursday previewing this game. A lot of hopefully information to come out about um, fitness and things like that as we head into it. Liverpool play on Tuesday. I think that's an advantage for us. Uh, any little edge we can get. You know, If look, if they pick up four or five, maybe six red cards in the Chelsea game, you know, it doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt, right? If Saliba, Nunez, Gakpo, maybe Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk, Allison, if they all get red cards, like it changes the dynamic going into next week. To be fair, I don't want TAA to get into a red card. I want to see Martinelli just running into the space that he vacates because that guy does not defend at all anymore. I I love him as a talent, but he does not defend at all. So we will see where it leaves us. Um, Where it leaves us now is saying this please give if you can. If you cannot, don't, obviously. Maybe a retweet, maybe a mention to a friend. This is about what you can do. That's all. Just what you can do. And what we can do is make a big, big, big difference to whether or not these kids in that refugee camp continue to have this program that gives them so much. It's about being supporters of our club that we all love, them saying this is a cause that matters, and us saying we agree it matters, we will support it, and that's all we're doing. And having the chance to have been there firsthand, it is worth doing. Um, There's an auction site if you want to bid on tickets for Chelsea for Southampton, the VIP box tickets. Ian Wright will be signing a shirt and giving it away to one donor. We will be giving away a VIP box ticket to one donor. All of that to come. Most importantly, we love you and can't wait to see you at live events. Can't wait to see you somewhere at some time and share a drink or a hug or a hug while holding a drink or whatever the case may be, because we really appreciate you and really thank you for being a part of this. Uh, all the information will be in the description of the episode. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thank you, Clive. Thank you very much. Pause on Twitter. Pause my pants. Next pause. Woo! Tim's doing the women's thing, uh, women's football thing. I should emphasize, uh, given you know what's going on with James and stuff. You know, not not a second baby thing going on with Tim yet, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but he is doing the women's football thing. Hence, no Tim on this pod, but will be in a uh, pod very soon, and so 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 much more to come. So, as we always say, we love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal ten, Liverpool nil.